All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. The only way I win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to to have have fun. (laughs) What was that? That's what we do, right? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. It sounded like you were underwater. It was really weird. Probably because I'm on my laptop. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is the legend Carrie. Hello. And Jason, the favorite. Hey, who accidentally got a bunch of coworkers addicted to Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. That ended a lot better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> well, uh, right out the gate, let's welcome our uh, patrons to the show. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, and you can get free stuff. You all probably should be getting your postcards soon. Um, and uh, I'm excited about the postcards. Yeah, I hope everybody likes them. You can get lots of other free stuff, and um, uh, it's cool. You can get shout-outs on the show. Mm. Like right now. Shout who? Yeah. Who are we shout outing? Yeah, let's shout out some folks. All right, we've got Josh Heath with Werewolf the Podcast. Uh, we've got Joel Eastland. Uh, he is uh, uh, currently perplexed because all of the photos he takes on his cell phone are mirrored. I saw and he's that. angry. <laughs> he's angry. He says, and I quote, My cell phone is a cell phone. Not a mirror. <laughs> we love you, Joel. I... <laughs> All right, we've got Ryan Martin. Drew Stevens. Oh, I, I like how just you were just excited about that. Well, I put an exclamation mark in the notes, so I have to do it. It's law. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. We have Joe Hines with Lost Colonies. Cameron Pruitt, who does not have an explanation point. No, but he is my favorite. Oh, I know. He is. What about Noah Coltrip? Glad you asked. This week, Noah Coltrip is traveling to Arlington, Virginia, where he's going to be visiting the VIP congressional parking lot at Reagan National Airport. (laughs) That's right. One of the long-standing perks available to members of the United States Congress is access to the reserved parking lot at Reagan National, conveniently located just 100 feet from the Departures Lounge. This above-average fleet of cars here all bear two license plates, one from the vehicle's registration in the member's home state and the other a special plate issued by Congress that specifically is there to help them avoid tickets in the city of Washington, D.C. Hey, that's bullshit. That is, actually. This 89-spot congressional lot once had official signage, but the sign has been taken down by optics-conscious politicians. Now the area keeps away interlopers with a vague, restricted parking 
authorized users only sign. It's about to close for four years to provide space for a construction staging area, during which time all those lucky lawmakers will have to drive out into the common folk garages and park for free. That's also bullshit. They wake, They make way more than any of us do. They should at least pay for parking. The parking only costs us about $130,000 a year, according to this article. <laughs> But, and Noah's going to see it all. We also have Salim Halabi. Yes, Salim, hi. And Ryan Galeato. Mm-hmm. And then our, our last is our the patron saint of the podcast, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> well, if you'd like a shout-out, we'd love to give you one. All you have to do is help us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting here at this table recording a podcast over Zoom. And this week we are sitting here at this table recording a podcast, but we're trying Facebook rooms to see how uh, how that handles Jason's bandwidth. I, just every once in a while, he sounds like he's underwater and it creeps me out. That, that's probably unrelated. Yeah. Well, stop being underwater. Oh, now he's underwater. He just held a water bottle up above his head. There we Oh, no. <laughs> well, Carrie, what have you uh, been up to? I have. I have been working on the children's uh, book that I've been working on. Yeah. Oh, how's that going? I'm just going to keep adding working on the book I've been working on that I've been working on. Well, I'm stressed okay. out. <laughs> um, it's going okay. I Frogs are weird. Right. They're, they they have like weird muscleless fingers, so I know that they've got bones in their fingers and their toes, but there's like they just flop them wherever and it's creepy and gross. <laughs> and, ugh, ugh. Well, all right. At least it's not horses. Fair. <laughs> what about you, Jason? What have you been up to? Uh, well. I had a weirdly busy weekend. I'd originally planned on just, I borrowed a couple of kayaks from a friend and we were going to go try that out because we've never done it before. So we, um, Friday we went out, but then Saturday we were going to go out again and I wound up, I found out that we had a water leak in the basement. So I uh -oh. spent a few hours fixing that. And also uh, our kitchen door uh, finally gave up the ghost. And I had to replace it too. So that took most of all of, of that day. Goodness. Uh, but we got to go out again on Sunday, so we had a pretty good weekend. Oh, and at work, at lunch break, the, the group that I played D&D &D with when I was on night shift for three or four days, uh, we planned a, like a once-a-month mega game. We're all going to meet up at one person's house and play for, you know, eight, ten hours, something, some big game once a month. So, and like everyone like used, used to, to when we would game when we were younger, yeah. And... Uh, Kind of the, the one advantage to us all working together is the fact that since we all sit at the same table at work anyway, it doesn't feel like a big deal to go to somebody's house because you right. You've already got it. We it's, can't social. Yeah. yeah. Either we've already got it or we don't. We can't social distance at work. So it doesn't really matter if right. we go to see each other. They've kind of become part of your bubble. Right. Well, they have to. I mean, I eat. We all eat at the same table every day, and while we wear masks as much as possible, you can't do it at lunch. 
and we literally work hand in hand at work. So it right. is what it is. But we've been planning a campaign at work, and everybody's been chipping in ideas. What That's, about you, Ryan? What have you been doing? Well, uh, I built a table. How cool is that? Oh, I saw the picture. Yeah. With you and Dakota? Yeah. She's doing the sanding? Mm-hmm. My daughter and I built uh, – so we we have a new 30-gallon fish tank, uh, and, and it's been sitting in our living room since uh, last July when we bought it. Uh, and the reason it's been sitting there is because we didn't have something to put it on, and tables like aquarium tables are not cheap, and uh, you couldn't right? just we couldn't just go to Walmart and buy like one of those pressed wood stands because you know it's they they weigh so much and they there's moisture sometimes and things like that and so it just wasn't that wasn't what we wanted to do and so uh, finally we just decided we're just gonna build one and so we did, and it mostly huh? came out good? yeah it mostly came out pretty good it did come out good yeah so. that's how you get started. You yeah. know, what I used to do whenever I needed a cheap thing to hold a bunch of weight like that, like uh, like a TV, like back when you had the big old CRT TVs. Right. I would just get an old TV and put whatever the heavy thing is on top of that. Because you can get those <laughs> for like 20 bucks. <laughs> you go to the blind shop, get you a cheap old TV, put your new TV on top of that, put make, make an end table out of it. You can do anything with it's those things. Literally, it is literally a TV stand. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, if you've never put a TV on top of your old TV, you've not been poor enough. <laughs> well, I've been that poor. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm not proud of it, but when I was when I was a kid, I had a in, in my bedroom, I had that. <laughs> right. <laughs> this oh. TV doesn't work anymore, but it makes a good TV stand. Mm -hmm. Especially because TVs work uh, new TVs were always lighter and smaller than the old TV, too. So that's. <laughs> right? Yeah. See, you could have went out to a pawn shop, bought a 32 inch TV for like 10 bucks. <laughs> it been less than the, the wood. Done. And just part Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you, though, to be honest, we actually built the table for like, I mean, I think all total, it cost me 40 bucks to build that table. And the no, only, yeah. And the only reason the truth is it could have been even less except, uh, I needed screws. And so I had to spend like eight bucks right. on a box of screws, you know, but like, screws are not yeah. So, but it was almost, I mean, it was almost, so really it was like 30, 32 bucks if I had been able to, right. to use screws that I had around, but I didn't. So there you go. And, and if you bought a table like that, it would have cost you like 50 to a hundred bucks, more like a hundred. Cause it, yeah, yeah I'm, cause it's, I mean, it's, it's a 30 gallon tank, so it's 30 inches wide. So, so it's one inch per gallon. Is how that works ish on this tank. It is so. Okay. Yeah. It's big. It's actually 39. Really? Gallons. Oh, it's oh no. I'll bet say Remember, it's, oh, 39 it was, it's 39 <laughs> gallons, gallons, not 39 inches. Okay. Cause I was Which, about to no, get worried. I'm saying, I'm saying like that makes it heavier. It's even more. So there you go. Well, you know my motto, measure twice and then cut everything and then measure a third time and then, and then go panic. get new boards. Yeah. And then right, measure right. two more, measure standard. a couple yeah. Then measure a couple more times. So there you go. Right. All right. Well, let's uh let's go ahead and head off to combat rounds.
All right, we are here and back and ready to go for some combat rounds. What's up, combat rounds? I'll fight you. I know you will. I know you will. I know any, I'm going to fight anyone today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, today we've got a good show. Uh, I always say that we have a good show even when we don't, so I don't trust me when I say that we have a good show, but I'm still going to say it. We have a good show. I, I wrote the notes. It's probably better than average. Our average is pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the quality, not the viewership. All right. All right. Well, today we are talking about running for new players. So, so, uh, and by new players, we mean uh, like running for people who've never played mm -hmm. a role-playing game before. So when people go, what is that? <laughs> like people like that, brand new. It's uh, it's different. I mean, I talked some about it already uh, last episode, and maybe even a little bit the episode before. But it's uh, it's different. It's surprising. And that's what brings this up: is this game that you've been running at work? Everyone who plays it has never played before, right? Right. You know, uh, I have seen so many people complain about uh, your game. People. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I was gonna say role players embracing MMO and single player RPG stuff but it was actually extremely helpful because i play single player rpgs a lot you know like computer rpgs mm -hmm. and uh so you can communicate concepts to people really quickly if you're like this is this thing here is like skyrim or this thing here is like uh you know hey Baldur's gate it's like that or you can you can name concepts from games that you've both played that are computer games or you know like xbox games and it's easy to associate that stuff. Is, um, is Baldur's Gate the one with the where you can make the chickens randomly show up? No. What game is that? Okay, never. I don't remember anymore. No. Dang it! There is something though, isn't there? Now I'm gonna worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And you know, you know even games like Zelda. You can talk about, you know, how combat works and things like that. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just I was just going to say that it, you could do the same thing in Mush where you're like, you know, this is just like Zork. <laughs> no. No. Type N and you'll go north. No, but you know what? In Mush in Mushes, you easily can go. It's like this TV show. And usually people go, "Oh, yeah, okay." Yeah, and you know, while it's not explaining the um, the mechanics, like the genre, always feels like it's a little more important in mush. Sure. So. Right. Well, the first thing that we want to go ahead, Jason. Yeah. I was going to say mush seems, seems to me like it's very genre forward. It is more so than mechanics or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's because you're you as a player are describing things as much as a as the storyteller or the wizard is describing things. Usually so it's, more. So it's, it's more important that you understand genre at the start as a player. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the, one of the first things we want to talk about then is what uh, is, is when a new player arrives at your gaming group, whether that's at your table um, or they arrive at your LARP or they arrive at your, uh, in your mush, you know, like, uh, the first thing that you really want to do is make sure that that you acknowledge that they are there. And that sounds so like, well, duh, but like it really, really matters. I've been to games where I've, you know, 
even as a as a player who is just new to that that specific game like i've role played a long time mm -hmm. but i show up to maybe a, a larp in a different city because i'm traveling or something and i walk in the door and i stand there and nobody acknowledges that i'm there for like 10 minutes i'm like i'm good i'm ready to yeah, go i can go find point. food yeah i don't need to be here yeah no always 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 greet them even if as a game runner you don't have time to sit down and make a character with them right then you say hey this is bob he's amazing at making characters he'll answer any questions and i'm gonna come check on you thank you so much for coming um you know it doesn't take much right. to acknowledge them and make them feel like they're welcome i actually think there are five words that you should say to every single new player in your game whether they're new to gaming or just new to your group are you ready let's hear them okay i'm so glad you're here yes no i thought you were gonna say did you bring five dollars <laughs> that's the second that's the second thing you say at a lark yeah. five <laughs> words you say. no but like for real just say i am so glad you're here you know and Absolutely. That's all it takes. Oh my gosh! As people, we're so easy. I, <laughs> like, well, really? No, but but for real, I know that this is important because I just had a new player log into one of my mushes, and I greeted him, and I was like, "Hey, if you have any questions, this or that, that." And then, like an hour later, after talking with him, he paged me back, and he was like, "You, this is the most friendly." open mush i've ever logged into like you know you actually care that i'm here and i was like well yeah why wouldn't i like that's weird that that other mushes don't do that and i don't think that it's all mushes don't do that but like i think that it's important that's an important lesson that you can take for any game i think you have to remember that people are not only new maybe they're not just new to the game like they're new to you know they're not just new to role-playing, but they are also new to this group of people. Yeah. And so if they are already dealing with the discomfort of being around a bunch of people that they don't know, then uh, they're going to have more trouble struggling with understanding how to play a game. And so mm -hmm. you really want to just come right out the gate. You know, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I, I am prepping for the game, but this is Jason and Jason's going to help you make a character and uh, and Carrie's going to tell you a little bit about about the game. And then when you're ready to go, I'm going to help you get into play and help you, uh, you know, figure out uh, how the game works as we play. You know, like that's that's how you make a new player feel welcome or be like, hey, awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Here's 10 bucks. Go get me coffee. No. Oh, oh, wait, that's not what we do? No. Oh, I thought that was what we do. No. Oh, my bad. Because then you end up minus 10 coffee and, you know, $10 and no coffee. Yeah, that explains why I never get new players. Uh -huh. And I'm yeah. so poor. And you're so poor. And, and thirsty. <laughs> well, Jason, uh, outside, of, outside of that, this is your show. You wrote the notes. Take it. <laughs> I broke it down. We're out of time. And I thought the <laughs> So I think the, the first thing we need to talk about is rules because most of the games that we play have some form uh, of rule structure. Uh, and even games that are free form have some sort of form that that takes place within. Well, even, even, so, ju uh, even just uh, there are no rules is a rule. 
Right, right. So, uh, but most things we play have a decent amount of mechanics. So the, the first thing I would like to talk about is that you have to keep things light and moving and not worry about nitty gritty stuff to, for, for brand new players. Give them time to get used to the basics of roll a die 20. Say, you know, because like this game was Dungeons and Dragons. Roll a die 20, add a modifier to it. That's your, you know, that's what you rolled. Uh, you know, this is a difficulty that you have to meet. I always so like to... Just those very basic... When they're brand new players, I always like to think about, uh, you know how a lot of video games will, like, teach you uh, the combat maneuvers a few at a time as you play? In-game? You know? yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. some sometimes, like, with Jedi Fallen Order, sometimes it, it, it'll be like you unlock bigger moves as you go. But then there are other games that are like... Um, I don't know, Horizon Zero Dawn or whatever, where like you have them all, but you don't know how to use them. And you your character is trained on the the controller moves, <laughs> you know, as, yeah. as you experience it. And I always think that when you've got brand new players, that is a, a great thing to try and do is like you said, like start with don't open with mass combat, open with like, you know, roll to see if you notice something so that you learn just a basic what right. you're what where you're looking for a skill on your sheet what you're rolling and how how you total it up or determine you know success or failure whatever the system might be yes absolutely a lot of uh adventure box like starter box sets have adventures that are designed to do just that oh that's really i Unfortunately, I'm one of those people who grew up never using those, well, and I really should dig into them. Some some of that's just because you've played for so long. I mean, no, <laughs> well, I mean they had them back then, but I I was barely able to afford the games that uh, I could get. <laughs> so I couldn't afford adventures. Sure. Well, I know for a fact, Jason, that you have the Weeby Goblins. The, the I do. I need to run freebies, that. Yeah, and I know that that's how those are. They're built the same that's, way. Yeah, yeah, they're they're built. You start you start looking around. You know, you need to run right. that for your group. I do need. To, I, I'd like to have the whole set. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what what <laughs> other things do you suggest uh, that you do for um for helping the people learn the rules and things for their very first time playing? Okay, so another thing that I noticed uh, to begin with, of course, everybody asks you, "Hey, how does this power of mine work?" Right. right. If it's again with power. And after a couple of times, I realized, you know what? The book is right here, and I don't need it right now. So here, you look this up while we're doing – if you're going to use that power next round, look it up now and read it so you will internalize how it works. Because I can tell you ten times, but if you look it up and read it yourself and then use it, it will help you remember. Most people can remember better if they read it. Just be kind when Absolutely. you ask. Just be kind when you ask them to do it, because you what you don't want to do is seem like you're saying I don't want to help you. Right, right. It's a balance. I, I found that it also helped to say I don't remember how every power works. I need you to remember your powers as best you can, and you're you're teaching them two things: one, to be responsible for their own sheet, and we all have to look things up in any rules, in any system that has mechanics. So they're getting used to looking those mechanics up quickly and easily. And then after, uh, by the end of the first session, most of the time when somebody wanted to do something, they were looking it up themselves and telling me how it worked, which was very helpful. 
I know in mushes, a lot of times games will have a, um, a page on the wiki that is just a list of commands. Right. And I know a lot of times, instead of just telling the person the command, people will say, hey, here's the link to the list of commands. That way right. you can, you know, always have it. Just, I, I'm going to comment on mush help, though, for a second. Oh, yeah. Because um, I have a pet peeve on a mush. So if I don't know how to do something with code on a mush, if I go to the, if I'm on the, the public channel and I say, and I say, hey, can somebody, I'm going to use something that I know how, but just, you know, can somebody tell me what the command is to roll dice on this game? Right. What I don't want, because is for someone to respond with, uh, you know, plus help space roll or whatever, like, and that's all they say. So that like, they basically, what they're giving me is the, the location of the help file to read it myself when what they could have said would have been the exact same amount of typing, which was yeah. plus roll skill. <laughs> and right. so, so here's the thing is I'm just saying like, it's a little different when you're at a tabletop or even in a LARP, you can pretty readily hand them a book and they've got a minute for, to, to look at it. But like on a LARP, if it's going to be the same on amount, or I'm sorry, on a mush, if it's going to be the same exact amount of characters, when you type it in, then for God's sake, just, just help them. <laughs> don't. Okay. That's, don't fair. <laughs> that's fair. What, what I like is when someone will go, here's the command and also, here's the wiki page with all the commands listed. Yeah, do both. Yeah, do both. Things. That's fair. That's what I was going to say. It, that's what I did in the tabletop game. I would say, I believe it works like this. Also, here's this thing. I, I would also like to brag on the D&D Beyond uh, website. It's very optimized for uh, cell phones. And after the players discovered that... They were looking up stuff on that really quickly. That's and awesome. I just saw that because of the pandemic and stuff that they just released dice rollers for free. Oh, that's cool. That happened yeah. like like just a couple of days ago. So yeah, very nice. cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what are, what are the things do you think about with rules for new players? So like, uh, you know, we've talked about encumbrance a whole bunch, right? Mm -hmm. And Bill, when when you're creating a, a character, especially on the uh, Beyond website. It'll ask, are you using encumbrance? And I'm like, look, no, we're not going to bother with anything that's overly mechanical like that. If you don't play Dungeons, I mean, if you don't play Dungeons and Dragons and you're listening, uh, encumbrance is a specific rule set that Dungeons and Dragons has that governs how much equipment your character can physically carry while traveling. And the whole point of it is, is it makes it very, uh, it gets the game very crunchy. And very, it adds a level of strategy because you have to figure out just what equipment are you going to have? How many arrows are you going to carry right. versus yeah. how much food are you going to carry? But it is, and, and for some people, that level of um, uh, realism, real, well, yeah, it's simulation, <laughs> that level of, of war simulation is what they want out of Dungeons and Dragons. But then there are other people who are just like, I just want to kill the dragon and save the princess and collect the gold. And Ooh. those folks don't care how many pounds of, of meat they're carrying on their back, right? So they don't even know how much a water clock ray weighs, let alone whether or not they can carry one. And so uh, so encumbrance is a, a that optional. That seems awfully specific there. It's because a water clock in Dungeons & Dragons used to weigh like 500 pounds, and so that was always the, the yeah. joke. Okay. It's an old, old joke. But All right. anyway, uh, but the point is, though, just 
uh, with encumbrance is that it was an optional rule that would add a whole ton of crunch that some people really enjoy, but a lot of people opt out of. And I think for new players, anything like that is is ideal. And I was always a lot more fast and loose with things like initiative and uh, <clears throat> does this skill work? Yes. If it, if it makes sense, yes, it works. More so than I would be with experienced players who I have an expectation that they understand the system and they understand that these things are supposed to be separate for a reason. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Like you know, different skills do different things for a reason because it means that you can't be great at everything. If somebody's new and they've got a skill and it's close, just roll it. Let's keep playing. As long as it's not taken away from somebody else's specialty. One of my favorite uh, LARP memories as a storyteller is we had a new player who his very first game, you know, and he didn't, you know, no one knows the rules, especially in a LARP their first time walking in. Um, but he managed to literally disarm the bad guy, like one of our main ah. bad guys in Slinky was like, I think he's taking his arm off. And I'm like, then you take his arm off and you fling it across and you make it a bigger thing than it needs to be. And, uh, it was, it was Sean, Sean's character when he did that. And it was, it was such mm. a big deal. And it was like, whether the rule was okay or not for that, like that hooked Sean to the game so hard. You know, sometimes it's okay to fudge. It's just far more okay to fudge when they're new, and it's more important that they get what's going on and enjoy the game. Right. Right. So fun over rules. They're not going to stick around to learn the rules so if they don't the have fun. One, absolutely. Nobody mm-hmm. learns the rules of a game they don't like. <laughs> yep. And if it's their first time and you hit them with a whole bunch of stuff like that, they may be like, this isn't for me. Yeah. It's when they would have loved it, given them enough space. Right. All I really wanted to do was kill the dragon, but this guy had me figuring out how much freaking arrows I could carry. (laughs) I don't care. And what I discovered was not enough. All I wanted was to carry this. I just wanted to carry a water clock. (laughs) Well, what, what about, what about the setting? Are there, is there anything that you could do to help people who are new to role-playing grasp, grasp the setting or uh, better? I think, I think that the most important thing is to put whatever makes the setting unique and interesting forward. And whether that means that maybe you whip out stuff that people wouldn't normally encounter as soon in their uh, adventuring career, uh, it's okay. Like, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, there should be a dungeon, and if possible, a dragon. Like, they should get to experience what makes it interesting to play this game, what people talk about. Like uh, in, in my game, we were we were leveling really quickly because we were only playing three games. Uh, and I made sure that everybody had a magic item by the end of the first game because magic items are so important to the feel of Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted them to have enough gold early on so that they... They could experience. Oh, I can buy things. I can. I can buy a house. I can. I can get they, better weapons and armor. I can. They cannot do carry the house, though. They can't carry the house. <laughs> the encumbrance uh, rules. Watch me. <laughs> so I put- also wanted them to get to see things like, you know, like you're going to fight goblins. You're going to fight orcs because they're so crucial to the feel of the game. 
you're going to solve puzzles because that's part of the setting is check, solving puzzles. Check for traps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're gonna right, you're gonna encounter traps and poisons. Uh there's gonna be some undead. It's just all these things that we've all fought and dealt with in Dungeons and Dragons forever. So we should understand that's part of what it feels like. If you're playing a World of Darkness vampire LARP, you should encounter vampires. You know <laughs> what? Like you if you're playing in a game with a bunch of experienced people, everybody thinks it's cool for you to encounter things that aren't vampires. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, okay, yes. Yes. <laughs> so like, oh no, we're fighting spirits. When you've got a bunch of really experienced players and they want something new and different, that's fine. But if you're running vampire, you should be fighting traditional vampire antagonists for new players so they understand the game the genre yeah a a new player needs a bit of a return to simple when it comes Mm -hmm. to the setting absolutely yeah i assume the same thing is true in mush you want the core parts of the setting to be embraced immediately for the players yes like for new players like if you're if you're playing in a harry potter mush you should cast, you know, the first, your first scene, there should be someone casting a spell using a wand. You know, like that's just the flavor of it. Because you're teaching them what the genre is like for yes. your game. If it's a cowboy game, there should be cowboy stuff, a bank robbery, a train heist, a shootout. I've been doing it wrong. Something show. I've been doing the gum belt all wrong. <laughs> I had dinosaurs. I what is that? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the core part of your setting is dinosaurs. So every time you've run a playtest game, more than just the dinosaurs that we ride, we've encountered dinosaur-related stuff. Right. We've dealt with cowboy stuff. It's always been a heist or a uh, uh, we're trying to solve a crime or something like that because that's what the game is going to be like. Right. So show it uh, yeah, off. I kind of already go ahead. I said, so you just have to show it off. Show it off. Exactly. And if you've got a bad guy that's central to your setting, let them see them in some way, shape or form. Even if it's not meeting the bad guy, maybe they find a poster, a wanted poster with his face or just yeah. introduce them. Cause you're the person who's teaching them what this game is like. And I think there's a little bit of obligation there. You, you should teach them what the core game is like. And that way, when later on they're playing something that's different, they'll understand that it's different and special and they'll enjoy it more mm-hmm. if, yep. that's, if they're wanting to explore this weird part of it. And there's also some responsibility because if you run a shitty game, they're never going to you. You've uh, you have closed the hobby to them. Right. You know, if they if the very first time they ever play Dungeons and Dragons, it's garbage because you ran a crappy game. They're not going to play again. And man, that's awful. That's horrible. You know, because maybe maybe there's someone who would really like it. I think that rolls into the next thing I want to talk about, which is plot. Mm -hmm. To me, the very the very top thing of that is tropes are tropes for a reason. These people have never experienced those tropes before. Introduce them to the the tropes of your game. And so when you make a plot, think about what's the the standard? What's the default kind of plots that people run for this? 
it doesn't have to be super creative. It has to be fun. Right. Yes. We forget that tropes, tropes aren't a bad thing. I mean, I mean, they're just a way of driving. Right. They're, they're tropes because they're tropes. I mean, like, like, they're tropes because they work. They work and they are, uh, Mm -hmm. they're tropes because they are, are icons, iconic elements of whatever the genre is that you're, you're playing in or watching or reading. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important that when you make that plot and you're embracing those tropes, you, you make it relatively simple because they're having to learn a lot of stuff at once, the mechanics, the setting, and now they're trying to figure out a plot. If you make it too complicated and too in-depth in the setting, they don't have the tools to understand that yet. Right. That doesn't mean it needs to be dumb. You just need to dial back the level of, like, nuance that you're using. Yeah. So... If- I always think if you if you ever have a player who says, um, so I'm brand new, I have no idea, I don't understand this at all, but I have this lore on my sheet, can I roll it? I, I always feel like if a brand new player asks me that, my plot was a little too complicated for that new player. You know, right. like... Like, I know what you're saying. I don't, I shouldn't have to run 900 years of vampire lore for a brand new player to enjoy the game. And they shouldn't have to roll vampire lore all night because of the plot I'm running requires it. Right. I will say something that I kind of leaned into is that, uh, you know, and this, a lot of systems are similar. If they are trained in, in a skill like lore, knowing something, if it's something that they should know as a core part of the setting, I just tell them no roll. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if they roll for it and they fail, well, what have I done? Right. I've said you and your character are dumb and that's to be avoided at all costs. <laughs> right. Right. A barbarian shouldn't have to roll a knowledge weaponsmith role to, to no, determine he's holding a hammer. That's a hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it, it sounds silly, but we've all played in games where people do things like that. Right. Oh, well, you, you, you've lived here your whole life. Uh, you can't remember the, the guy that's the mayor's name? Roll it. Like, no, no, you shouldn't have to roll it. Yeah. Right. Or, or I'm a Ventrue. I should know how Ventrue work. I shouldn't have to, to throw my Ventrue lore chop. Yeah. So how do you, how do you determine how, how deep your story in that aspect should go then? I think you take their lead. They'll tell you maybe explicitly or maybe when you're listening to their guesses, because that's a very important skill is listening to what the players are saying to each other. When they start trying to guess what the plot's about, if they get more complicated, then the plot can be a little more complicated. It's okay. You can lean into it. And I'll tell you what, sometimes their guesses are way better than anything a storyteller's already got planned. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And there's, there's a trick to that. If they guess something that's better than what you were going to do, you should seriously consider using it because you've done two things. One, you've taken advantage of the fact that somebody come up with a better idea than you, and you should set your ego aside Yes. and and, maybe, and, and use it. And two, when they figure out that they're right and it was something that was really clever, they're going to feel really clever, and it's cost you nothing mm-hmm. except right. setting aside your Setting aside your ego, yeah, and and the other thing too is you've been think there comp there is a compliment to that though you in whatever story you're telling you inspired their creativity to come up with this thing 
you know, screw your ego. Whatever. That's awesome. If and, they came up with something cool, do it. And no one has to yeah. know. <laughs> right. Nobody has to you know. You don't have to go up to the player afterward and go, oh, I had something different planned, but this was better. In fact, it's it's best if you don't tell them. Yep. Never, ever tell. Thankfully, none of those people listen to the podcast. So <laughs> Yet. <laughs> 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 on a roll podcast, the official podcast of the Carpenters Union at TVA. Hey, I'm, I'm willing to make that. Local 74 supports the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got five people playing a D&D game now that are all Carpenters right. from the same local. So yeah. this is good as done. Look, I'm just <laughs> saying all of a sudden you're all going to have really, really good game tables. Now, what if uh, what if the the guesses that they have for your plot are wrong? You know, what do you do when when a brand new player has some sort of failure? Because, you know, that can be very discouraging. You know, the one time I rolled dice, I rolled a one. You know, I mean, how do you how do you balance that for new players? All right. I think you encourage them that failing is fun. You let them also dictate a little bit about how they fail. I know in Mush's. That's a, you know, that's, you do that on your own and mush anyway, but sometimes people will be like, I failed. I go flying off into the barn where I bounce off a wall and they get to be all dramatic and fun. And then, you know, half of the players go running over to check on them and drama, 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 drama. And like, that's the fun of a mush. Yeah. And actually that can be the fun of a, tabletop game i've seen that happen you know i've i've never seen anyone roll as many ones as dakota does when she plays dungeons and dragons and she thinks it's hysterical but kevin does uh kevin's our storyteller our our dm and kevin does this wonderful thing where he makes sure that when she fails there is some piece to that failure that will drive the story and her experience forward it's not just you missed she still talks but, you know, about uh, getting poisoned. About getting poisoned? Yeah. When she got bit by the snake, she still talks about it. You know, it's a good thing that I was able to make that saving throw. Whew. So something to think about is that the enemy of fun isn't character failure. It's player boredom. Right. As long as you make whatever it is interesting and not shutting down the person, they'll have a good time. It's like, uh, this is something that I actually just figured out the hard way. If, say, you're having somebody to roll to climb a really long ladder, and they fail that roll, the first reflex is you say you fall. But that's not fun, because what are you going to do? They're going to fall to the ground, they're going to take a bunch of damage, and if they live, they still got to climb the ladder. Yeah. So they're just going to have to roll again. So instead, you say you drop something. You get to pick. If you roll a one, I get to pick. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, i like, yeah, I'll catch myself. I know that, but I'll drop something important to me. And that's a much more interesting story. Indiana Jones doesn't fall to his death. Indiana Jones drops the idol, maybe. You know what right, I mean? Right, yeah. Things like that. It keeps the story moving forward and is more interesting than merely falling and having to make the roll again. Failure should be a setback. Failure isn't necessarily failing completely. Right. And even when it is, it should never be boring. That's the key. 
So what about, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about those personal things with, with new players, like, you know, let's talk about their character. So they're going to show up and, uh, um, and be ready to go hopefully and want to play. Um, how do you, how do you help them make a new character? Um, I was very fortunate that, like I said in the beginning, that they all played some form of computer, you know, Xbox console games. So they understood the basic concepts of making a character because lots of those games have you make a character. So that part was much easier. But I found the hardest part was getting them to actually say, well, this guy, like they'd be like, I'm doing a dex build thief with all these, you know, that it's going to be really quick and light on his feet. I'm like, okay, why? What does that mean? Uh, who was who your dad? Why did you become a thief? Who is your father uh, and what does he do? Right, and <laughs> if you ask them questions that, that, that demand answers, then they'll have to think about, okay, well, I'm a paladin of this god of strength. Why, why did I do that? That's, I mean, why is such an important question to ask somebody who's designing a character i mean it's true of experienced people too but especially new people because that's the part that's hard to intuit not the mechanic that i can look up and look and say okay well i got to do this i'm like if you picked a soldier background what army were you part of right why did you leave now you're making story and that's what it's all about and it makes them more connected to the game because they're invested in the world now I was part of this army. I quit because I got in a fight with my sergeant. Da, 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 da. Suddenly, you've got a bunch of story hooks, and they are invested because they know, oh, well, one day if I see that sergeant again. Pow, right in the kisser. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so you're, you're immediately connecting them to, to, NPC, to the setting, NPCs, but the setting. Right, absolutely. That's the most important thing is for them to feel like they're part of the world. Well, they need a history. Play they yes. need a history, yeah. And while we've all played games where we just made up a character and we started playing, if you want, especially a new person, to feel invested, you have to give them a reason to be invested. And I, a, I and think a, part of that, go ahead. In a tabletop game, there's some, It's that can be scary as a, as a DM. You know, as the storyteller, as the person running the game, sometimes it can be scary, especially if uh, if you've got a game that's been running for a while and, and this new player has joined your group. Um, you know, if you want them to join and be all in right away and be ready to go, you have to entrust them a little bit with a piece of the game that you're already running. Uh, you've got to, give, oh, yeah. you know, if you give them that piece of the setting, whether it's a connected NPC that they're about to encounter or whatever, you're saying, I'm trusting you not to screw this up. Yeah. And that can be a scary thing to do as, as a DM. And frustrating when it fails. Yeah. But uh, you have to keep doing it. You have to do it because that trust is what enables risk and lets everybody have fun. Absolutely. I, one of the things we're kind of coming up with the setting right now is I'm asking them, hey, what's the thing that y'all want? What's the, what's the, here's some stuff that we're coming up with. What's a piece of this that you'd like to add? And one person said, well, this might be silly. And I said, look, man, we're all pretending to be wizards. Silly is <laughs> off the table. <laughs> you tell me what it is and I'll help you make it interesting and fit into the setting and the system. Right. 
And, and all the guy wanted was there to be centaurs. And oh, I'm like, good, yeah. God, good news. There's already centaurs. <laughs> I, 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 I and so then we talked for about 10 minutes about what he wants their culture to look like. I'm like, that sounds cool. We're going to do that. And so, boom, we've added something. He's done my job for me. And now he's really interested in, in meeting these centaurs that he came up with. Right. Yeah, that's cool. So be flexible. Be flexible. Be willing. Not only willing, but insist on them having ideas. Because now they, they're loving the game more than just their character. Right. If you have a if you have a new player that's nervous about doing doing things like that, I know that there's a bunch of online questionnaires that you yeah. can find and hand out. You're know, like a hundred hundred questions to ask you know for your character to fill out. What's his favorite cereal? Why? You right. know. But <laughs> if if you are not able to come up with those questions, genre wise, they're to out ask, there. They are out there. Right. To kind of round out the discussion then. Do we just have some some just general thoughts on on how to help new players have more fun at your game and how to how to embrace having new players? Something that I just don't think about a lot because I, I honestly try not to do is unpermissibles. Don't run them. Yeah. Like we no. say not to run them as a general rule, but especially with new people. Hi. Don't welcome to this gaming group. Today's game is going to be about rape. No, don't do right. that. Don't don't do that. Well, it, it can be dark. It can be uh, somewhat threatening, but it should not be these super heavy topics. Again, yeah. they're learning how to play the game itself, how to play games, what a character means, what the setting's like. Not the time to be dealing with super heavy topics even right if, off the bat. Even if you're running the World of Darkness, that, that new player's very first game it's okay to be dark. It's just probably not the, the game session to be edgy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with edginess as long as it's done properly with the right people what? who are, you know, the right wanting people. it. Yeah. Right. Consent. The first, game, the first people, not the time. Uh, anyway. So the, the first real topic on here is to don't forget to move your spotlight around. Try to spotlight everybody in some way. But I also think there's another side to that. Sometimes you can put the spotlight on somebody and they're not ready for it. To me, you give it a minute, let them run with it as far as they're, they feel comfortable, and then it's okay to take it back and move it to somebody else. Absolutely. I think a good secret for spotlighting a character would be, uh, you know, all storytellers and DMs, we always take a minute to look at a character sheet, you know, for the new player. Um consider uh, looking for the weird or unusual skill. And I don't mean like weird and unusual, like as in wonky. I mean, like look for the weird and unusual thing. Like it's a star Wars game and that character has cleaning. Yeah. What right? can I do with that? What can I do with right. that? You know, somebody, somebody for some reason took this strange skill, you know, something that might be normally a throwaway you know, a point dump or something like look at those. That's what you should look for that first time. And, and because those are the things that you can really like sort of say, first of all, it says I, I looked and I, I saw your character. Yes. And, and then on top of that, uh, it's, it's pretty unlikely if it's a weird skill like that, it's probably the only person in the game that's got it. And so they're special. Absolutely. It's an easy way to give them a spotlight. 
something that I found <clears throat> that I'd not really experienced a whole bunch of before, because most of the games I played in hadn't used this a lot, but was language. In D&D, you've got a limited number of languages, and it's really hard to learn new ones. It takes lots of in-game time. So if somebody needed to talk to, say, a COBOL, which exclusively speaks Draconic, then you've got one person who speaks Draconic in the party. Boom, they're the one talking to them. If you've got one person who speaks Goblin, then now you've got an automatic highlight. If they want to talk to the Goblins, they've got to go through that one person. And it, it by changing up the kinds of creatures and the kinds of encounters you have and keeping in mind just things like what language does each person have, you have an automatic way to move the spotlight around the table. Do they speak Centaur? <laughs> <laughs> it also is a, I found a really, we had a, one character, I, I want to say he was playing a sorcerer and he was really just into the combat. He was, okay, I'm, I'm here to roll dice and attack people, which is fine. It's a play style. But because he was the only one who could talk to a, a specific group because he's the only one who had that language, then suddenly he's having to negotiate. <laughs> and he's having to talk to the rest of the party to say things like, okay, guys, this is what they want. Uh, what can we do? And so he's, he's suddenly taken on a completely different role than the one he originally planned. And as long as you don't force it too much, people like that. Right. Kind of connected to that is, uh, you know, don't make them feel stupid for having made those decisions. You know, like, right. I mean, it would have been really easy in, uh, in the star Wars game to make fun of the guy who took cleaning. Right. You know, or even, you know, I've seen storytellers who would be like, dude, don't put your points in cleaning. You're wasting that. Put that back in blaster. You know, right. like leave it there. Let it be. Yep. Uh, don't make them feel dumb for doing it. Now, that's not to say that you can't point out that there might be uh, smarter builds. You know, like maybe maybe they didn't know they could have put those points into into blaster or in, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's OK to point out just so you know. You have the option to move these points around in this manner, uh, you know, but if you're if this is how you want them, that's great. Yeah. You know, and that's right. that's OK, because they are new players. They don't necessarily know what uh, you know, they don't always know that, you know, dexterity is 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 the attribute for using a knife. They might think that it's strength. And, and that, okay, and that also doesn't mean like if you've got a character and they've got cleaning on their sheet and they also wrote down scrubbing. Well, they don't need scrubbing. Yeah. They've got cleaning. Like that's okay to point out and go, hey, you've got two of the same thing. You now have points to put somewhere else. Yay. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I, I think that a little bit of optimization on your character sheet can make the game more fun because people feel more useful. Right. Yeah. Character makes a decision in game. Even if it's one that's less than optimal, you should never make them feel dumb. Don't have, don't use your voice as game master through an NPC. Make them feel like an idiot for making a decision because it's not fun. You can chastise in ways that aren't calling the person dumb. You can certainly push a little, but don't do it so much that you're taking the fun out of the game. I also think that you should be aware that, uh, it, you know, if your other players are making the new person feel stupid for that decision. You put a stop on that right away. 
I feel like as the storyteller or DM, it's your job to then make that stupid decision be the best decision that well, could have yes. been made. <laughs> <laughs> you sp Whatever's going on, you spin it so that that stupid decision saves the whole party. <laughs> you know, like, but... Um, yeah, you know, just just notice that as well. Like if you have to say, hey, guys, come on, he's a brand new player. Let's let's just yeah, see how this plays no, out. It's OK. Don't let your players right? be bullies. Right. Like that's just common Absolutely. sense. And if it's a really stupid decision that the new player is making, it's totally OK to not to 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 stop for a second and say, OK, that is not the wisest decision. And let me explain why. It's probably because of a piece of genre that you don't understand because you're new. Yeah. And it's okay to just right. say, just so you know, a werewolf would actually never, never do that. Or, you know, just so you know, a vampire wouldn't run out into the sunlight because sunlight hurts them. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't realize. Right? I thought this right. was like Twilight. I thought I'd just sparkle. Right. But, you know, like. Make, the, make sure that they're making a choice. Yes. Because if they're making a choice, that's one thing. But if they're just uninformed, that's not a choice, really. Yes, exactly. The other thing that I think is is kind of connected a little bit to that is you're making a choice, too, as a DM. And so if you are, for example, running a combat, um, it's OK to make it dangerous, but don't kill the brand new player the first time they fight a cobalt. <laughs> combat should be dangerous, but it doesn't have to be deadly. I think that it can be dangerous. It can even be deadly. They just have to feel like that it was worth it. Almost nobody has ever complained about a character death that was that has a payoff. Right. Like, oh, man, I was fighting the big bad guy, and I was able to do this, and I got killed. As long as they feel like there's, they, 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 there was a payoff, they'll be happy. But usually a first-time player is not going to feel that way their first game. They don't have the investment yet. Yeah, they don't, under, they don't have the investment no. in gaming yet. To understand that, right. you know, oh, that was cool. Usually they're just like, I spent three hours making this character. And then and you killed me? And then you killed me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that that, that very first between... night, that's important. Don't don't kill someone their very first night. Yeah. <laughs> and now now we're all going, wait, have we ever done that? Oh, absolutely. We I'm all thinking. have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, the last thing then is at the end of the night, touch base with your new player mm. right at the end of, right. or I mean, in a, whether that's on a mush, even if it's just at the end when they're, when they're, when the scene is over or whatever, touch base with them, just uh, out of character, just be like, Hey, did you have a good time? Right. And I'm did so you understand everything. I'm you have so any glad you were here. Did yeah. you have a good time? I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, do, and I also, also said that people are... go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say, uh, just like I, I mentioned before, they're going to talk to each other, and listening is the most important important skill that any form of storyteller can have. Yes. Because you'll hear them say things to each other that mean more than what they say to you. Right. Players are always a little afraid to be honest with their storyteller. Well, absolutely. Any, It's a position of authority, and people are intimidated by default uh, positions of authority. They don't mean to be. It's just how we are built. And sometimes it's just the fear of not wanting to criticize because it's, it's there's a view of like it's the DM's game. You know, it's yeah. the right. DM's the DM's got the ownership of the story or whatever. And so if it's not fun, telling them it's not fun is to say that like your story sucks. 
is how it can feel. And so, and you know what, as a DM, it can feel that way if they tell you that your story sucks, but, but I would want to know before I run a sucky game for eight months, I'd want them to tell me, (laughs) like, you know, um, so, but yeah, like check in with them. Hey, did you have a good time? Was there anything about your character that you, you really liked, or was there anything about your character that you didn't care for, or that you thought you might want to do differently? Um, because one, another sort of just a, a house ruley thing is, is there's nothing wrong with letting a brand new role player remake their character Yeah. at the end of the first night or at the beginning of the second night, you know, if they've discovered that something just wasn't what they want to play, I, you know, who cares? Let them, let them fix it in the long run. That's going to benefit yeah. your game. Yeah. If it's not fun, something's got to change. Let's go to game wrap. Welcome to Game Wrap. This is the part of the show where we bring it to an end. It's so sad. Anyway, uh, you can find us at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to people who think that they have uh, something to say. You can go to Twitter and follow us at honorrollpodcast. You can go to facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. Send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. Or uh, go to Patreon and, and become a backer and get cool free stuff at patreon.com slash podcast. So this week, I don't think we should do XP or any of the fun stuff. I mean, right now, the whole world, it feels like it's burning because uh, we've got these terrible things happening around us with uh, police brutality and uh, racism. It feels like it's... I don't know if it's more now or if we're just finally seeing things that have been hidden for years or both, but, uh, or both. And, uh, you know, we certainly have very strong opinions about a lot of this. And I think the only way we can sum it up by being, you know, three white people who it's not, it's just not the same is to say that we all believe that black lives matter. And we believe that this police brutality needs to, to end immediately. And what little bit our voices may matter in this, please know that we're with you and that we only wish we could do more. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a road again, tabletop, lock, motion, everything in between. The only way I win is to have fun with my friends. Tabletop, live motion, everything.